Would you please break a damn story? He took it out. Oh, for you. It's a PFT PM Friday edition. Haven't done this in a while where I just answer your questions. Any and all questions. However many I can answer until I lose interest. When I was doing it during the season, I had a 4 p.m. Eastern radio commitment on WIP in Philly. So I would start by 3. So I had to be done by 4. I'm starting this now at 3.50 p.m. Eastern time. And I don't have anything on the other end. Which means I can go as long as I want. I won't. Well, I will. I'll go as long as I want. I'm not going to go and go and go and go and go. You don't want that. I don't want that. You hear enough of me. Weekday mornings on PFT Live. We'll try to keep this to an hour. Maybe less. I'm just going to scroll through here and answer these questions. It's like Christmas morning and I'm opening presents and I don't know what they are. I haven't looked in advance. And let's begin. The first question is, as I skim this, kind of a correction. I stand corrected. PFT PM Posse, during the first hour of PFT Live this morning, you said that no player has ever sat out a full year and re-entered the draft, but didn't Bo Jackson do that after the Bucks ownership screwed him out of his remaining college eligibility? I can't remember the details there as to his college eligibility, but the Buccaneers drafted him, and he basically told the Buccaneers, don't, I'm playing baseball. And he sat out the whole year, re-entered the draft, but no one really thought he was going to play football. It wasn't the same as it would be if Joe Burrow decides to sit out the full year after being picked by the Bengals, which I don't think he would do. That's your way around going to a team you don't want to go to, sit out the whole year. It's one of the concerns about having a team in London. Maybe a guy would sit out the whole year because he's hell-bent on not going to London, sit out the whole year, re-enter the draft. What happened was the Raiders took a flyer on Bo Jackson during the 87 draft. I think it was like a seventh round pick, maybe. Something like that. Just a little, there would have been 12 rounds at the time. Just a little dart. Just a little, hey, maybe this will work. And it did. Until his hip developed what was it, a vascular necrosis? Is that the condition? Fairly routine tackle against the Bengals in the postseason, January of 1991, and that was that. So you're right, he did sit out the full season, but it's different than a guy saying, I don't want to play for this team. I'm going to sit out the whole year and re-enter the draft and get drafted by someone else. The Raiders had no idea they were going to get this guy, or he'd have been drafted a lot higher. If people knew he was coming to play football... Even on a part-time basis, he'd have been drafted a lot higher. PFTP and Posse, do you have any fun and or exciting plans now that the grind of the NFL season is over? How did your suits fit this year? And at the end of the year, were the wardrobe people at NBC shrinking them again this year? No shrinkage of the suits this year. Although, after the week in Miami, when I know I've overdone it from a caloric input standpoint, I just don't get on the scale until I feel like I'm ready to get on the scale because I don't want to see a number that will depress me. But I emerged from the season in pretty good shape. 
working out every day that I'm home helps. Doing the full one-hour cardio workout, 600 to 650 calorie burn while playing Madden every day that I'm here, with rare exception, that helps. So thank you for asking. Suits fit fine. It's a horrible feeling when they get snug around the holidays, around Thanksgiving. Oh, man, you shrunk my suits again. Another one from PFTPM Bossy. When and why did Shefty stop sending you what and when he was going to say on Sundays? That was something I blurted out today. Once upon a time, we had a good relationship, and he used to send me an email with every item he was going to say on the air and when he was going to say it on the air. I don't know why he stopped. I don't know. It just stopped. He probably wasn't supposed to do it. I vaguely recall a time when, like, he accidentally sent it to me and somebody at ESPN, and he had to, I think, do a little damage control. I can't remember. I can't remember. It wasn't hurting ESPN. It was helping ESPN. It was getting his information posted ASAP. We'd have the story ready to go when he did the little pop on the air. I don't know. It's weird how competitiveness and rivalries and hard feelings. I don't know when it turned. I don't know if it was in the aftermath of the Deflategate scandal when we, along with many others, were critical of the 11 of 12 footballs being two or more pounds below the PSI minimum, the Mortensen report. I don't know if that turn things I don't know don't know don't care so good question don't know the answer that's the problem with constantly just churning and churning and you asked earlier do I have any fun or exciting plans now that the grind of the season is over the grind never ends it never ends the grind continues not that I dislike the grind the best part though about the off season for me is Weekends are normal. I get to do things that I want to do. My reward for getting through a full week of work isn't pack up your stuff, go get on a plane, go to Connecticut, and spend 15 to 18 hours nonstop on a full day of football action. It's nice to have a normal weekend. It's nice to be able to sleep until I wake up two days a week, Saturday, Sunday, sleep till you wake up. I like that. After a week in Miami, have that alarm going off at 440, I'll take weekends indefinitely of getting up whenever the alarm doesn't go off because the alarm isn't set. James McDonough, a.k.a. Dr. J144. You talk all the time about the conflict of interest with wanting to win versus earning a higher draft pick. 5-11 and 11 doesn't accomplish anything over 2-14. and 14. Is the Joe Burrow situation a similar paradox? There is no reason he should want to go to Cincinnati instead of a better team slash franchise. Look, here's the thing about being the first pick in the draft. You're rarely going to go to a good team. The team with the first pick in the draft got it for a reason. Now people can trade up. Or it can be a draft pick from a prior trade and it just works out that the team that gave up that first round pick ended up being crap. So some better team ends up with the first overall pick. But that just kind of goes with the territory. 
I think Joe Burrow would like to avoid the Bengals, but I don't think Joe Burrow is willing to delay by a year his professional career if the Bengals draft him. And he definitely doesn't want to find himself in a spot where he makes a power play, the Bengals take him anyway, and then he goes to Cincinnati and the fan base is not as welcoming as they would be. That's the problem. You know, when Eli Manning made the power play against the Chargers, his dad Archie was the one who tried to come off as the bad guy. Eli was insulated. And it never stuck to Eli, even though Eli didn't want to go. And I've told the story before. One of the reasons Eli didn't want to go is when he visited the Chargers, he got mixed signals about whether or not they really wanted him. But Archie ran interference. And maybe Jimmy Burrow, Joe's dad, will be the one to run interference. Or maybe it'll be somebody else close to Burrow saying the things that they're saying. See, when you have TJ Hushmanzada saying things that are very equivocal, when you have Carson Palmer saying things that he said when Jordan Palmer is getting Joe Burrow ready, when Jimmy Burrow doesn't come out and say, we definitely want Cincinnati, we definitely will go to Cincinnati, it's a way to send a message without Joe Burrow getting himself in an awkward spot. Another one from Dr. J144, same topic. If I'm Burrow, why should I want to go number one overall? Second contracts where the big money is. I'd rather be Mahomes, Watson, or Lamar and go to a good team than be Baker and go number one overall. Why should quarterbacks want to go number one overall? They get these guys conditioned to think it's an honor to be drafted as high as possible. They got these guys conditioned to think it's an honor to be drafted. Look, the draft is un-American, period. You should be allowed to choose where you're going to work and who you're going to work for. The idea that I'm going to be a lawyer, okay? Yes, that's what I'm going to do. And when I finish law school, I'm going to get a job with a firm in Pittsburgh. Well, not so fast. Because there is an association of all law firms, and they have come up with a way to dispense young talent, and there's a draft. And you have to go work for whichever law firm drafts you in whichever city that law firm is located, and you have no say over the matter. Oh, and by the way, it's an honor. See, they've pulled this scam where, and I don't mean it in a bad way, unless I do. They got these guys thinking it's good to be drafted. It's not. You should be allowed to pick whatever team you want to play for. I have a text chain with four of my friends from when we were in grade school, not just high school. And the Joe Burrow topic came up yesterday and I made my point about the draft being un-American. And of course they lose their minds because you got to think it through. It doesn't mean that one team is going to have all the great young players. There's still a salary cap. And you would have a strict rookie salary cap. And maybe you have more rookie salary cap space, the worse you are. Maybe that's the way they, they give the bad teams an opportunity to try to get better. You got more money to spend on rookies than other teams would. <clears throat> but I really don't think the competitive balance would be thrown out of whack. 
the Cowboys have a quarterback in Dak Prescott. They wouldn't have to worry about Joe Burrow flocking to Dallas or Tua or Justin Herbert going to Dallas and making a super team. And why would you go sign with a team that has a starting running back, that has starting receivers, that is otherwise set? Why would you choose to do that? And ultimately get to choose to work where you want to work and live where you want to live. And with free agency, in theory, guys are available to change teams after four years. Why not just let them pick their teams from the get-go? Why not? It really isn't that crazy of a concept. The problem is the draft has grown to something that is so big for the NFL. It's basically one rung below the Super Bowl. Nothing else would be as big. You're not going to have a, a meeting of guys who go to Las Vegas or whatever city the draft is in and pick up hats like they're announcing what college they're going to go to. That's not going to work. The only way to do this in an orderly fashion is to let the teams pick the players and to subject the players to whatever team they get picked by. But it is grossly un-American to tell people where they're going to work and who they're going to work for. And the response is, if you don't like it, go get a real job. Well, this should be a real job. Why is it that because you are supremely talented and you're going to be highly compensated, you don't get to pick where you're going to work? Someone else picks where you work. I just don't like it. I don't like it. If I lived in Pittsburgh and my son was good enough to play professional football and the local team wanted him, he should be able to go play there. He should be able to live in the city that that I live in. He should be able to live wherever he wants, play wherever he wants. I don't know why people have a problem with that. If you think of it as yourself, a family member, a close friend, you would want that for them. Gears of Ted is the AFC quietly putting together an 80s, 90s NFC-type run. They've won five of the last six Super Bowls. I remember in the 70s, the AFC was the team that won all the Super Bowls. Yeah, I don't know. I thought the NFC had better teams this year. I don't think it really matters. It's a football game between two teams that qualify based upon 16-team conferences and a tournament in that conference. And if you started putting some of the teams from one conference in the other, how much would it change? It would change a lot. But at the end of the day, I think the best teams are going to rise to the top. The Impact 99. How far are we away from the franchise in D.C. changing their nickname, mascot, etc.? I, I, I don't know. I said seven years ago when the issue first hit my radar screen that there's something wrong with that name, that it is a dictionary-defined slur, and that no amount of straw man arguments or attacks on the messenger or ridiculous notions political correctness run amok. This is another example of political correctness run amok. No, it's not. It's an example of a slur that is in plain sight that the NFL is fine with using. 32 teams. One team has a name that is a dictionary-defined slur. And at some point, that name will not be used. And at some point, history will look back on the period of time let's say after 2010, that that name continued to be used and history will wonder what in the hell was wrong with the people who thought that was okay. How in the world was that? It'll be comical. People will laugh about it. How in the hell was that the name of an NFL team for as long as it was? 
And the study that came out this week from Cal Berkeley, the alma mater of Washington coach Ron Rivera, is very telling. Because those Washington Post surveys that have come out, one was in 2016, one was in 2019, they just have that don't pass the smell test quality to them. 90% of Native Americans aren't bothered by that term. Sure. How do you determine a Native American? And that was what was important about the Cal study. People who strongly identify as Native American are more likely to be offended. Why wouldn't you be? Why wouldn't you be? It's not an honor. I've managed to avoid saying it most of the time. Every once in a while it slips out. I mean, you hear it all the time and people use it like it's okay. It's hard to not say it ever. But I think my days without accidentally saying it, probably at least a year. I think I may have said it on the show one time accidentally. It's hard though. When I was first trying not to use it, I would like stop and think before saying Raiders because of the R. So I don't know. I remember Peter King saying in like 2013 or 2014, somewhere along there, that he thought the change was coming. I think if they'd ever get to the Super Bowl in a roundabout way, they would be victims of their own success. That would create more and more attention on the name. I think it changes whenever Dan Snyder sells the team. I don't think he's ever going to change it. I don't think the NFL is ever going to force him to change it. Or maybe if there's a new commissioner, when there's a new commissioner, if the new commissioner knows in his or her heart that that is just wrong and that commissioner wants to be on the right side of history, that commissioner wants to signify a break with Roger Goodell and the past regime, that's a hell of a way to signify the break. Just come up with a new name. How hard would it be? Come up with a new name. It's no big deal. The best argument in favor of changing the name came from the late Charles Krauthammer, conservative columnist. And he had a great item four, five, six years ago where it was basically stuff happens. Over the passage of time, words that were once acceptable become not acceptable. And no one is to blame. It just happened. For whatever reason, a word develops a stigma. A word becomes known as a slur. A word becomes unfortunate. I've said this before. I remember there was a weight loss product, a little chocolate that was a appetizer suppressant called AIDS in the early 80s. AIDS. A-Y-D-S. For reasons unrelated to dictionary-defined slur, that was a name that eventually had to go. It happens. <clears throat> so, look, change the name, don't change the name. That's the NFL's business. If it were me, I'd change it. If it's me, I don't use it. Out of respect to the Native Americans who are offended by it. Who are you to say what Native Americans should be offended by? I'm not saying what they should be offended by. I'm reacting to what they are offended by. Enough are offended. How many is enough? That's the thing. What's the magic number? 10%? 90%? Where between 10 and 90% is the break-even point? And that's when you invite the argument, well, if we do that, we're going to have to get rid of giants because we don't want to offend big people. And we have to get rid of saints because we don't want to alienate sinners. Come on, give me a break. 
The the anger, the animosity from fans of the team that don't want to change the name anytime the issue comes up, it just shows you that deep down they know that the name needs to go. I, I know people who, back when it was more of an issue, hostile, hostile, a family member at a funeral, didn't want to talk to me at all. Why? Because you don't use that name. Really? You're that mad about me making the choice not to use a term that Native Americans find offensive? That's going to make you mad enough that you don't want to talk to me? Really? Okay, fine. If that's, if that's the way you feel, that's the way you feel. Have a nice life. Dean Osborne, 42. Wait, let me do this one first. JR, the boss man. Would it be smarter for Dak to wait until my homes resets the market and then do a deal? The Dak deal at this point is going to be valued based upon the franchise tender, not the Mahomes contract. And I don't know that Mahomes does a deal this year. Here is the problem with Mahomes doing a deal this year. I've written about this. I've mentioned it on the show. And I try to get people to understand it. I don't know if people just glaze over or they just don't get it. People in the media, I don't know. But the fact that Mahomes is due to make $2.7 million this year makes it harder to do a deal now because of the difference between new money and total value at signing. Because when you do a deal, the new money analysis is the standard way of analyzing it. It's how the NFLPA reports it internally. And it really is crazy to me because let's say I've got two years left on a contract. You never sign an extension per se. They don't come to you and say, here's the contract that's going to kick in when this contract ends. So you've got the years left on your current contract, and then you get a four-year extension worth $160 million, $40 million a year. That's not how it works. They rip up the current contract and they replace it. But the agents like to have it reported as, and the union goes along with it, new money. So for Patrick Mahomes, if they would sign him now to a new contract, and if the new money average is going to be $40 million a year, you do a five-year $200 million extension. But based on what he's due to make this year, what his fifth-year option would likely be in 2021... I did the math the other day. It's like 220, what is it? 226.7 million. 226.7 million. 2.7 million this year, roughly 24 million next year, and then 200 million for five years after that. That's 226.7. I may be really off on my math, but I think this is right. Divided by six, no, 226.7 divided by seven. It's a five-year extension with two years left, the average at signing is $32.3 million. That's a far cry from 40. And if Patrick Mahomes says, I want you to rip up my contract and pay me $40 million per year from scratch, right? Let's say it's $40 million per year for a seven-year deal from scratch. That's $280 million. You take away the 26.7. That's 253.3 on the extension. Divided by five, that's $50.66 million per year in new money average. That's the problem. And it's all driven by the fact that he's only going to make $2.7 million this year. Dak Prescott, that's why he didn't do a long-term deal. There was the report today he turned down $33 million per year. That's new money average. 
when you do the total value at signing, it was $27.8 million because he only made $2 million last year. That's the problem. So I wouldn't wait for Patrick Mahomes. What's going to happen with Prescott is the Cowboys are going to use the non-exclusive tender at around $27 million or the exclusive tender at $33.4 million, and then you value the long-term deal based upon that. And if the Cowboys don't want to pay him based on that, and when I say based on that, I mean the money due to be made this year, 20% raise for next year. At a minimum, those two amounts need to be paid out fully guaranteed, and then you have to do something for the third year because it's a 44% raise under either tender. And the numbers get ridiculously high if they go exclusive tender. That's his leverage. Oh, and on top of it, he can go year to year and he can choose to stay away from anything and everything until just before the start of the regular season. And remember the Le'Veon Bell twist. Year one, sit out until just before Labor Day. Get your full franchise tender. Year two, sit out the full season. And the next year, they still have to give you a 44% raise over what your tender was in year two. That's a way to force your way to the market. Now, I think for a quarterback, because of a 44% raise over that huge number in year two, because again, it goes base number, 20% raise, 44% raise. That's why Kirk Cousins didn't stay with Washington for a third year of the tag. You just can't do it. If Prescott is determined to go year to year, there's a good chance he's going to be on the open market in 2022, and that's not that long away. And people say, well, he'll, he won't do that. Well, under that he-won't-do-that concept, he would have taken the best offer that the Cowboys made last year. Dak Prescott's a businessman. I admire him for holding firm and not giving in. So he's done nothing so far to make me think he's going to blink. I think he's going to dig in, and he's going to get paid. And he should. I heard the stories about Jerry Jones' boat. It's every bit, from what I hear, as obscene as you would expect it to be. $250 million yacht that he had in Miami. Five-story glass elevator. And all the obscene, ostentatious trimmings. Yeah, Dak, you get everything you can. And you use every weapon in the arsenal to get there. You know, people get mad when Le'Veon Bell stayed away from all offseason and training camp and preseason activities. That's his right under the CBA. If the Cowboys are going to use a device to keep Prescott from the open market, he can use his rights. And his rights include not showing up for anything as long as he's willing to risk the franchise tender being yanked. And it could get very interesting if they would rescind the franchise tender after all the other quarterback seats are full. But if he's willing to take that risk, he can stay away as long as he wants and still get paid as long as he shows up before week one. Dean Osborne, 42, is why, why is Jay-Z not getting any heat for not standing for the national anthem at the Super Bowl? I think he's gotten some heat for it. There were people who thought initially that he was doing it to send a message, which would have made no sense given the things he said about Colin Kaepernick. He did the deal with the NFL, and he took a lot of heat for doing a deal with the NFL without Colin Kaepernick being guaranteed some sort of a path back to football. And he made that comment about turning from protest to progress, and this isn't about a guy who three years ago took a knee and doesn't have a job now, and we can't worry about that. And You know, his explanation, speaking at Columbia University on Tuesday, was that he was locked in 
on the performance from Demi Lovato, and he was in business mode, which <clears throat> I understand that, but you know, I know when I'm tense and nervous about something, if I'm watching a game and there's a moment that has me really keyed in, I tend to reflexively stand up. I think what happened was he did what so many people do at a game, especially if they're in a luxury suite. They're disconnected from the experience and they just forget to stand and he got busted. And that's the tremendous disconnect between the people who shake a finger at Colin Kaepernick and are offended by him and hate him for consciously and strategically not standing for the anthem and all those people that are doing anything but standing at attention, hat off, hand on heart, not messing with their phones, not standing in line for a hot dog, not walking and talking, not shouting out alternate lyrics at the end of the song in place of the term brave, but complying fully and completely with the federal law that says what we are expected to do during the playing of the national anthem. And there is tremendous hypocrisy in that regard from the people who are offended by what Colin Kaepernick did and who just kind of haphazardly fail to properly respect the flag during the playing of the national anthem. Hunter Rolls, would the proposed 17-game regular season necessarily include a second bye week or reduction of the preseason? One without the other seems incredibly taxing on player safety. The preseason would shrink. Mark Murphy, the Packers CEO, told me last July that two bye weeks would not be in the cards. Here's the problem with two bye weeks. Big Cat and I were talking about this today. You already dilute the quality of each week of football by taking away games to accommodate one bye. You're taking 16 weeks and you're stretching it to 17. Those games that land in week 17 should be subsumed within the first 16 weeks. Those 16 games should be added to the first 16 weeks, making those 16 weeks better. If you take a second bye week, you further dilute the week-by-week -week schedule. It's harder to have compelling games each week. The networks don't like that. The NFL did two bye weeks once in 1993. The networks didn't like it and the networks don't want it. Now the NFL would like to get the schedule just right so Super Bowl Sunday would be President's Day weekend, and having a 17-game regular season and two bye weeks would get there, but they don't want to do two bye weeks. They want to do 18 regular season games. That's what they want to do. When they go to 18, and they inevitably will, that's when they'll get to President's Day weekend. Although I do like Big Cat's idea of shutting the league down for a week right around Christmas time. That's how you build in the second buy. You just have no football. I don't know how the networks would feel about that. I don't know how the league would feel about that. I don't know that you want to just open up that weekend because college football could take it over. You could put some big ticket bowl games there at 1 o'clock, 4.30 and 8.30 on that Sunday. I'm still stunned that college football doesn't fully invade the first Sunday of the season, what used to be the first Sunday, the Sunday of Labor Day weekend. I am stunned they don't program that to take full advantage of those abandoned spots. And if the NFL would ever abandon a full weekend, I could see college football making a lot of hay there. And the NFL saying, man, we could be making this money. 
JR the boss man, gut feeling on Cam Newton. In Carolina or gone? I think he's going to be gone. I think he's going to be gone. I think there's fatigue in Carolina over his injuries. I think that with a new ownership group, a new coach, I just think it's time. This question of his health just hovers over the team constantly. Constantly, constantly, constantly. And health and durability of a quarterback is one of the most overlooked and and underrated aspects of a quarterback's value. You need to be able to play. You need to be at or close to 100%. Cam Newton, when he's 100% or close to it, is phenomenal. When he's not, it shows. And then all of a sudden, he's either hampered all year or he's not around, and you got to move on to plan B. I think the Panthers want to break from that. When David Tepper was asked about the issue during the Matt Rule introductory press conference, and he said, we need guys who buy in, that was another twist. Like, maybe they think Cam doesn't want to be there. Maybe they don't like how Cam handled his injury situation. That video with the glass of Cabernet and the the cigar, that may have rubbed some people the wrong way. I just feel like the time has come, and his contract is very tradable. Now, I think he would want a new contract, but I think he's going to be the Chargers quarterback. If I had to throw a dart, if I had to close my eyes and swing at a pinata that may or may not be there, I would say the Chargers will be where Cam Newton is. It just makes too much sense. They need the guy who called himself an entertainer and an icon before the 2011 draft. James McDonough, Dr. J144, do you agree with the Jaguars that 2019 was all Tom Coughlin's fault? Isn't that basically the message they sent? I don't know that the message was 2019 was all his fault, but the fact that changes needed to be made, and that was the only change that ultimately was made, you could come to the conclusion that the Jaguars believe it was all Coughlin's fault. I mean, Coughlin was kind of a negative presence hovering over the franchise. I don't like how they handled it. I don't like how they dumped him. They could have just waited until the end of the season. He was going to retire anyway. They felt like they needed a pound of flesh after those grievances came back with an adverse ruling for the Jaguars. I mean, the Jaguars defended his decisions. They had lawyers and other people taking up for what Coughlin wanted to do. And then they lose and, no, this is the worst thing ever. Well, it's not. You defended it. And now it's all his fault? It just didn't work. You can't bring in a former coach to do anything but be a coach. I think there are very few men who are wired, who have been coaches, to abandon that instinct to coach. It drove Mike Holmgren crazy when he was the surrogate owner in Cleveland. And my guess is it probably drove, 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 drove Bill Parcells crazy when he had that role in Miami. Maybe there's a reason why that job hasn't been crafted as often as people thought it could be or should be. I just don't think you want a former coach running your football operations because that former coach is never going to stop coaching. Some would be able to do it. Some would. Tony Dungy would. I think Bill Belichick would because do your job. It's not my job to coach. But most former coaches who are within the proximity of a coach can't stop being the coach. I mean, look at it. It was Coughlin when that game happened. I think it was in Houston where Jalen Ramsey had words with Doug Marone. It was Coughlin that met with Ramsey and pissed him off to the point where he wanted out. 
that Coughlin said or did something during that meeting that made Ramsey want out, and now he's gone, even though the team wanted to try to keep Jalen Ramsey. Isaac Shank, is there an origin story to how the different positions were named? Did they run out of new ideas when it came to labeling offensive tackle? I, I don't know. It, it reminds me of the old bit from The Simpsons when Homer thought he ate poison blowfish and he was teaching Bart to shave. And he gave Bart the three things to be ready to say in order to thrive in business. Cover for me, good idea, boss, and it was like that when I got here. And then they shaved. And remember, Bart knocked the aftershave bottle onto the ground and broke it, and Homer did the why you little. And Bart said, it was like that when I got here. My boy. It was like that when I got here. I don't know. If there's an origin story, that's news to me. I mean, they had to come up with the titles at some point, halfback, quarterback. I mean, the whole back thing is how far back from the line of scrimmage they are, right? The fullback was all the way back. The halfback was halfway. The quarterback was, you get the point, back from the line of scrimmage and ends. Receivers used to be called ends because they're at the end of the line, the tight end, the split end. You don't hear split end anymore. And then the flanker was the guy who was basically in the slot or was off the line of scrimmage, kind of an end. Not really the slot, but you, you, you know. So, end guard and tackle, right? Sat at the end of the bench, guarded the water, and tackled anybody who got near it. Gears of Ted, who is most likely to have a breakout MVP season in 2020? Kyler Murray, Drew Locke, Dwayne Haskins, or, or Daniel Jones? I'd say Kyler Murray. I'd say Kyler Murray. Now, look, they're going to have to have a great season, and that may not be the easiest thing for the Cardinals to do, given the division they're in. But I feel like Kyler Murray is going to be the next big thing. He was special as a rookie. We just didn't get to appreciate it much. But I'm a big Kyler Murray fan. I'm fascinated with what he was able to do last year, and I'm glad he was the offensive rookie of the year. Noel Davidson, if you were to predict the next big trade in the NFL, who do you think it will be and to whom? Ooh. I don't know. Big trade. Next big trade. How about Cam Newton to the Chargers? That would be it. Would that be a big trade? I think that would be a big trade. I still don't rule out Odo Beckham Jr. to the 49ers. Because here's the thing. Any team that wants to maximize its return on a player is not going to say, yeah, we want to get rid of this guy. There goes your leverage. Your ultimate leverage for any trade is we're keeping him. Nope. What are you talking about? No, we're keeping him. You're offering us that? No, we're keeping him. If they know you're getting rid of the guy, the price drops. Paul Zulak, do you think the Chiefs could have still won the Super Bowl if they would have had to play New England and or Baltimore? Excellent question. Excellent question. Could they have beaten the Ravens in Baltimore? Could they have? I don't know. And it is funny that we all of a sudden regard the Chiefs as this budding dynasty, and they very well may be. But they were down 24 at home to the Texans. They were down 10 at home to the Titans. They were down 10 with seven minutes left in the Super Bowl. And maybe that fuels this notion that they're just unbeatable, that even when you have them down, they find a way to come back and beat you. But you can't live like that. You can't fall behind like that constantly and keep coming back and coming back and coming back. They weren't dominant like the 85 Bears. 
same result, but they weren't dominant. They just have that habit of finding the gas pedal from time to time and going on that run. Back when I used to watch basketball, there would always be that college team that was capable of going on a 20-point run. And you knew it was coming, but you didn't know when, and you knew once it started, you wouldn't be able to stop it. Leapers 500. Do we now live in a dictatorship as long as that dictator has 34 partisans of either party in the United States Senate? Oh, boy. I'm not in the mood. They've beaten me down. There's nothing we can do. I yield. Two plus two is five. We've always been at war with Oceana. We are not at war with Oceana. Two plus two is five. I'm mentally exhausted. It's worked. I've been gaslit. Congratulations. Take the country. Leave me alone. You win. Leapers 500, what would be the best use of the Broncos' substantial cap room? Hey, I'm always a big fan of spending money on the offensive and defensive line. Also, identify young talent and get them paid and get them locked up. You know, free agency, fool's gold. How many big free agency moves result in a team winning a championship, although getting Sammy Watkins in 2018 sure didn't hurt the Kansas City Chiefs. <clears throat> Dean Osborne, 42. Any traction in the future for Steve Spagnolo as a Hall of Famer for his great work with the Giants and the Chiefs? Why don't great assistant coaches ever make the Hall? Well, Dick LeBeau did. Dick LeBeau made the Hall as a player. <clears throat> he made the Hall thanks to his work as an assistant coach. If he had never been an assistant coach, he doesn't get in the Hall of Fame as a player. And if he'd never been a player, he doesn't get in the Hall of Fame as an assistant coach. The bigger question with Spagnolo is, does he get another chance to be a head coach? Why is there no talk about him being a head coach? Andy Reid's an offensive coach. That defensive performance is directly attributable to Spagnolo. And I remember saying last year, the Chiefs are just a little bit better on offense than winning the Super Bowl. Or defense, rather, excuse me. And they were a little bit better, maybe a lot better at times on defense, and they won the Super Bowl. Will Spagnolo be on the short list next year? Why wouldn't he be? Why wouldn't he be a candidate? Yes, his turn year as coach of the Rams was disastrous, but he's done some great work as defensive coordinator. See, here's the problem. It's the Wade Phillips, North Turner, Hugh Jackson conundrum. Guys who can perform sufficiently well as coordinators that they continue to be hired as coaches and they fail. So then they go back to being really good coordinators and they're so good that they end up being considered to be head coaches. At some point you just accept, I'm going to be a coordinator and no one wants me to be anything more than that. And I feel like Spagnolo, because it went so poorly for him with the Rams, I just wonder how many years of the Chiefs being dominant, how many years of him putting together a good defense, and how many Super Bowl wins will be necessary before we start hearing Spagnolo's name as an offense or as a defensive. Excuse me, why do I keep doing that? As a defensive coordinator. Matt Bursch, why can't we have football all year long? Are you talking about the NFL all year long? I mean, you, you do realize it takes a physical toll on the body more than three vasectomies, snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. You can't have football all year long. 
Do you want football all year long? Don't you want a break from it? Isn't it nice to have those months of anticipation for the return of football? One of the problems with some of these other sports is they just play too long. They have too many games. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. I really don't know how I feel about the XFL this weekend. I really don't. And nobody's asked any questions about it yet. Maybe something is coming. I really don't know how I feel about it. Part of me doesn't want to get all excited about it because I feel like it's just inevitable that it fails. I'm scarred by the AAF and other failed spring leagues. And it's only been a week. We spent all week talking about the Super Bowl. Give us some time to do other stuff. Like Big Cat said today on PFT Live, I want to be a dad for a weekend. I want to just do nothing for a weekend. Now, look, legalized gambling is creating more and more opportunities for sports leagues to provide us stuff to gamble on. I get it. I just don't think that it's going to work. They need to play alternative professional football during football season. That's why they call it football season. Football season is September through December with January for the NFL and partially for college to wrap up their postseason. So let's go September through January. That's when they should be playing alternate professional leagues, Tuesday and Wednesday night. And what Big Cat and I kind of resolved today, maybe start at November, Tuesday and Wednesday nights, play those games through the holidays and have it all timed out so the XFL playoffs would be happening over the next couple of weeks and get it all done before March Madness. See, once once March Madness starts, is anybody going to pay attention to the XFL? I remember forgetting that first weekend of the NCAA tournament, and I'm I'm not a big NCAA tournament guy, that first weekend of the NCAA tournament, I forgot about the AAF. Recliner QB, how much should Dak and his agent factor all the extra money that Dak makes off the field, not to mention the tax-free state when negotiating? I'm sure both sides are aware of it, but how much does it truly affect the contract? I mean, the Cowboys think that it should affect it because he's going to make a bunch of extra money being the quarterback of the Cowboys. The agents don't care because the agents want to be able to say, look how much I got this client. They want to parlay that into the next client who can get even more. And hey, look how much I got. You don't get a discount because there's opportunity to make money off the field. The Cowboys need a quarterback. They need a good quarterback. They have a good quarterback. you got to pay for that guy. And they have hurt themselves by waiting too long to pay. Generally speaking, if it's a guy you want to keep, the longer you wait to pay him, the more it's going to cost you. Period. Gears of Ted, is it possible Patrick Mahomes takes a partial step back once Andy Reid leaves? How much of it is scheme personnel? How much of it is Mahomes creating magic? Well, I think it's premature to even think about life after Andy Reid, but it's probably safe to assume that Mahomes will be playing longer than Reid is coaching. But look at what Mahomes does. In many cases, the play that is called runs its course, and then Mahomes just takes over and makes things happen. You can't coach that. You can coach some of the finer points about what to do when everything kind of collapses, but... I think Mahomes will be fine. And I think that whenever Andy Reid does decide to leave, they will be able to get whoever they want to come coach the team. Guys will be lining up out the door to coach the Chiefs. Nothing like a great quarterback to make you look like a genius. PM Rushmore, does Kirk get extended? I don't know. 
It's not going to be easy to do. He's due to make $29.5 million this year. $31 million cap number. He had a good year. What do you do if you're the Vikings? I'm concerned about his physical limitations. He can't extend plays. One of the things Sims and I was talking about last week, very simple. Kirk needs to spend the offseason working on his speed. You can make yourself faster. Bust your ass to become as fast and as elusive as you can be. I still don't know how elusive he can be, but he gets gobbled up in the pocket way too often. And if the running game's not there, the passing game isn't there. That's my concern. That's my belief that there's a limit on Kirk. Because until you have a dominant running game, you're going to have those weeks where you can't run. And when you can't run, you can't pass. And it's going to keep you from being as good as you can possibly be. So I don't know if he gets extended, but I'll tell you what, if he doesn't, if he doesn't get extended, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be looking over his shoulder all season long because next year, Kirk Cousins, quarterback of the 49ers. <clears throat> Tyler Furness, any chance he gets Shefty on the pod? Good one. That's a good one. Gears of Tech, let me just say this. Without going too far down the rabbit hole of what happened yesterday, the bottom line is Dan Graziano of ESPN reported that the NFL has applied a rough deadline to the NFLPA of March 18 for accepting the pending proposal on a 10-year CBA based on 17 games. Graziano reported it. And I accidentally thought Schefter reported it because he tweeted the link. I clicked on the link. I skimmed through the story. I saw the thing about the rough deadline. That wasn't the headline, but it was in there. I wrote it. I credited Schefter. And you know what I need, I need to just do? Here's what I'll do. Maybe this is our solution to avoid these mistakes in the future. If it's an ESPN story, it's just ESPN, right? If you're going to have this army of reporters and accidents are going to happen, if one of them is going to tweet out to 7.7 million followers a link to a story that was written by someone else, let's just, let's just drop the names. According to ESPN... Maybe that's what we do. We've got no obligation to promote the individual reporters. None whatsoever. According to ESPN. Period. That's fair. That's what others do. Others, when they do give credit, and plenty of them don't, they just credit the organization. They don't credit the person. That's where I made a mistake, and I own the mistake. But even now, at least last time I checked... Schefter has a tweet that says no one at ESPN reported that there's a rough deadline. And that's just a lie. Now, at the time, it may have been an accident. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He hadn't read the story that he had tweeted the link to. He didn't see that it originally said rough deadline before it was stealthily changed without any transparency, without any acknowledgement of a mistake. They just changed the language and didn't acknowledge it with an update or an editor's note. So, originally, he didn't know. Now he does. Now he does. He's, he's been... Let me check this. Let me try to multitask here. I'm going to pull up his tweet, Twitter. His tweeter. Um, he has been quiet all day today. I wonder if they put him in Twitter purgatory. Or I wonder if they just suggested, keep a low profile today. It was out of character for him to do something like that. Very out of character. Yeah, he hasn't tweeted... 20 hours, he retweeted something last night from the Chiefs. The last time he posted a tweet was 19 hours ago. Here it is. Still here. Nobody at ESPN reported this, especially not me. 
Dan Graziano said, while no hard deadline has been established, both sides would prefer to have a deal in place soon so that changes in the CBA structure could go into effect at the start of the new league year on March 18. That's the language that was put in. Originally, it said the league has given the players a rough deadline of the start of the 2020 league year to work out a new deal. So it was in there. And the fact that he still has this tweet up, at this point, it's a lie. It is a lie. The failure to delete the tweet, the failure to clarify the tweet, given the information that's out there, makes it a lie. And now I've lost my spot. Here it is on your questions. I'm not mad. I'm not. I, it just drives me crazy that people are so quick to say, you got owned. Okay, I did. I admit my mistake, but they're telling a bald face or bald faced lie about what they reported. They changed the language of their story without acknowledging it. And if I would do something like that, I would expect to be rightfully destroyed for it. But as my high school principal always said, common sense ain't. Tyler Finesse, I attended my first event being credentialed at the Senior Bowl. What was your first credentialed event with PFT? First thing I ever went to with a credential was Super Bowl 43. I had never done anything before that. I didn't want to. I had people advise me. You're going to lose your acid tongue. You're going to lose your ability to be candid once you get to know people. And yes, it does make it harder to, to say what needs to be said. Although I think I've done a good job of having honest and candid opinions, even though we talked to some of these people who I criticize. Sat with Kirk Cousins last week at the Super Bowl. I respect the hell out of Kirk for doing that. There are plenty of guys who would not have done it. Derek Carr would not let me interview him now. And I have been way harder on Kirk Cousins than Derek Carr. Derek Carr is a baby. He really is. And I have no qualms about saying it. He is ultra sensitive. Block me on Twitter without even really criticizing him much about anything. Ultra sensitive. And look, I block people on Twitter, but if you're going to be the quarterback of a football team and you're going to walk out into a stadium with 70,000 people and they all hate you and they're cheering, how can you, how can you get butthurt about somebody on Twitter? You know, that's one thing I love about Sims. He doesn't get mad about anything because he's been in that, that crucible where he's the guy who's booed against, where he's the guy who every move he makes is being criticized and scrutinized. He got John Gruden up his ass. This is a relief for him. He's dealt with far worse than people giving him a hard time and me giving him a hard time. And not that I ever do it maliciously. We do it because it's, it's kind of funny and it's good chemistry. But, you know, I'm the same way, like, with people in the business who give me a hard time or, like, don't like me or whatever. When I practiced law, half the people I dealt with didn't like me. When you're a litigator, half the people you deal with don't like you. In many cases, because these pieces of litigation can get very personal and contentious, they hate you. I always said, half the people like me, half the people hate me. My job is to keep the people who are supposed to like me in that category. So if I'm in a spot where 25% of the people don't like me, that's a good day in comparison to what I used to do. And I understand there's going to be just petty jealousy and rivalry and resentment. Who's this guy think he is? He's crashing the party. He doesn't belong here. He didn't go to journalism school. He didn't rise up through the ranks and cover a beat and go into stinky locker rooms and did baseball, then basketball, then this and that. He hasn't paid his dues. I paid my dues. All right. I paid my dues plugging away for free 
for multiple years while I had a full-time job. I paid my dues. I earned my way. I deserve the seat at the table that I now have, whatever it really is, and I make no apologies for it. And if people don't like me, I just don't give a shit. Isn't that the way you should live? There are always going to be people that don't like you. Remember the Seinfeld? Who could not like him? People aren't going to like you. That's just the way it is. There's people I don't like. And sometimes I don't really have a reason. I just don't like them. You can't worry about that. Yeah, people don't like me. I don't care. The people who are supposed to like me like me, I hope. That's all I worry about. I have a very loyal staff. I'd like to think they all like me. Or they wouldn't still be working for me. Or with me. They don't really work for me. We're all kind of autonomous. So, I can deal with that. I can deal with the haters. Again, it's a hell of a lot better than when you're practicing law and fighting all the time. And half the people you deal with hate you. And you have to deal with them face-to-face all the time. Eric Rudd, how did this football season's website traffic compare to previous seasons? It feels like there was more intrigue than in 2018 and 2019. Did the numbers bear that out? They do. The numbers were up across the board. And one area where we're doing really well, and it was ridiculously strong last week, are video views. So, yes, business is booming, thanks to Antonio Brown. It was definitely booming in 2019. And we'll see about 2020. The offseason should be incredibly compelling with Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers and Jameis Winston and all these different quarterbacks who are free agents, all the intrigue, all the drama. I think the offseason is going to be close to rivaling 2012. 2012 was the craziest. That was the Peyton Manning year. That was Peyton Manning picking the Broncos, followed by Tim Tebow being abruptly dumped onto the Jets. That was huge because that was two big waves. And there's going to be moves like that. Once the domino starts to fall, that domino is going to trigger a spike in traffic. And then the next domino triggered by the first one is going to trigger another spike in traffic. So I'm looking forward to it. Recliner QB with the horrendous state of tackling in the NFL. What can players, coaches, executives do to fix the tackling or lack thereof? Well, I can tell you what the 49ers have done. Both sides of the ball. They've gone out and found guys who don't need to practice it. That's the problem. They don't practice it like they used to. You never practice tackling to the ground. In some games, you don't even see tackling to the ground. The 49ers have a collection of roughnecks who will go out there and tackle you without having to practice it, without having the opportunity to practice it. And they have guys on offense who just go. That's what Sims has said. Kyle Shanahan wants guys who will execute their assignments with immediate force. No hesitation, just go. So... Look, I don't know what can be done to fix it because they just don't practice it. You need to find guys who don't need to practice it. And the 49ers right now are at the front end of that dynamic. Rocky Bear 51-54, which quarterback is more than likely to get traded? Dalton or Newton and the most likely destination. I think Newton is more likely to get traded. I, I think there's a chance that... The Bengals end up trading the number one overall pick to the Dolphins, taking to a Tonga-Vailoa, and keeping Andy Dalton for one more year and having Tonga-Vailoa develop as the guy who's number two, like they do with Carson Palmer behind John Kitna. Gears of Ted, is it possible Travis Kelsey's drunken speech at the parade was a playful jab at his brother Jason Kelsey when he sounded similar at the Eagles parade? No. No, Jason Kelsey didn't sound drunk. Travis Kelsey sounded drunk because he was drunk. 
Sometimes the answers are far more simple than we hope. Dean Osborne, 42, has the game slightly passed Bill Belichick by? Serious question. Unthinkable until this season, but he failed to accept the error of the mobile quarterback when the rest of the world could see the league changing to a new style of quarterback. I, I don't believe that. He's kept Tom Brady. What other coach would say, you know, we need a mobile quarterback. Let's get rid of Tom Brady. I don't know that Bill Belichick's going to be upset if Brady leaves because maybe they go get a mobile guy now. Maybe they make a move for Taysom Hill. Maybe they get Cam Newton. Cam Newton is 2-0 lifetime against Bill Belichick and the Patriots. So I don't think the game's passed him by. I just think he's got Tom Brady and he's not getting rid of Tom Brady, but maybe this is the year where he gets rid of Tom Brady by having Tom Brady decide to leave. Haven't we all been in a relationship like that before where for a variety of reasons, we can't be the one to break up and we just hope like hell that the other person does. I had one of those. I, I can remember it well. I felt like there was no way I was going to be able to pull this off. And please, please, please. It's the Costanza thing, right? When Susan broke up with him because he kissed her at the meeting and Rita Kearson was there subbing for Russell Dalrymple. And then Dalrymple fired her over the phone. I think from Bill Belichick's standpoint, Tom Brady choosing to leave may be the best thing that Belichick could have happen because he can't be the one to get rid of Tom Brady. All right, I probably need to wrap up. I've been going for more than an hour. I'm scrolling through to see if there's... I'm sorry, I just... I'm almost at the bottom. I got through most of them. Let me see what else we have here. Gong Show West, do you find yourself having to combat a sense of sadness now that the Super Bowl is over? Is it easy for you to remain engaged during this lull in the season? No, I like it because... Look, I'm being very selfish here. I like being home. Every weekend, from Labor Day weekend until the divisional round i travel my reward for getting through a week of posting 12 to 15 stories making phone calls sending text messages doing pft live from 6 a.m to 9 a.m taping other videos and otherwise just constantly being on the horse you get to the end of the week and you leave travel saturday work while you travel work when you get there work the next morning, work all day watching games, put on Football Night in America, and then come home. And when you get home, on Monday, the reward is keep going until next Saturday. I like it when it's over. I like being something closer to normal. Not that I'm complaining, but I'm not complaining that the Super Bowl has come and gone because I like the break. I like to have my life back a little bit. I like being home. I like being with my, my wife, my, my son when he's here, my dog. Family comes over. We have Sunday night dinner. I miss Sunday night dinner every Sunday night during season. We get a big pasta meal, and I miss it. So I'm glad to be home, and I'm glad that this is back to that phase of the calendar. Let's see what else we have. Scrolling, scrolling, Seth Mitzel, anything behind this Stephon Diggs trade talk? It wouldn't surprise me if he gets traded. We should have asked him about it last week. We should have asked him. It kind of occurred to me to say, you know, there was some trade talk during the season. Do, do you, what do you think about the possibility? Because he was very candid. I should have asked him. I hate that feeling. It's like walking out of an exam. Oh, I should have done this. I should have, I should have said that. I should have asked him. 
Because, look, we were we got, like, Russell Wilson to be very candid. I mean, I, we had a good, good, good week, 45 to 50 different interviews. And you'll see the links to them throughout PFT. We're still dropping the interviews in. We had a great, great week. It was not, you know, easy by any means, but it was fun, and it was very rewarding. All right, that's it. It was fun and very rewarding, and just about an hour and change. Thank you for your support. We'll continue to do this more often in the off season. Now that I don't have to worry about traveling on the weekends, we will do, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know this. You know, we did the Tuesdays with MDS. We did the Thursdays with Sims. I don't know what the off season schedule is going to be. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out and I'll let you know. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the XFL. And we will talk again very soon. If not in this context, very soon on Monday, we'll be back with another edition of PFT Live. Have a great weekend. Check us out all weekend at ProFootballTalk.com.